0: The James Webb Space Telescope lets us see further and deeper into the expanse of space. Here's everything you need to know about the $10 billion telescope that's a million miles from Earth. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Joining me to break down the ins and outs of the James Webb Telescope is our resident science expert, Monisha Ravassetti. Welcome, Monisha.
1: Thank you for having me, Roger.
0: So James Webb has made headlines over the last month for some stunning imagery it sent back. Can you just give us Breakdown, though, if you're not an astronomy fanatic or if you're not into this area, just what exactly is the James Webb Space Telescope and its primary mission?
1: Sure. Um. So I think that normally when you think of NASA's big telescope, you probably think of the Hubble Space Telescope, which is currently in, in low Earth orbit right now. Um, and it's still working. It's still taking pictures. And that is really comparable to um, like a super powerful off-the-shelf telescope, you can really think of it as like what we use on Earth, except it's up in space. The James Webb Space Telescope, however, is um, quite different from that. It doesn't take pictures of you know deep space, and it doesn't actually even work with visible light wavelengths that we're used to. Instead, what it does is it captures infrared light from the deep universe, and what that basically means is um, so in science, there's a thing called the electromagnetic spectrum. And it sort of organizes all of the different wavelengths that exist in our universe, you know, x-rays, infrared light, visible light, but humans can only see a really, really small portion of that, the visible spectrum. Um, So like when you look around, if you see colors, you see like a blue book that is because like blue visible light wavelengths are being reflected to your eyes. However, like I said, there are lots of other wavelengths on here, and one of those is infrared light wavelengths. And so, our eyes, off-the-shelf optical telescopes, it can't it can't like decode those infrared light wavelengths for us. Like there's no color attached, then we we can't perceive them. The James Webb Space Telescope, however, can. So um, what it does is it captures infrared light wavelengths that we can't see, that Hubble can't see, from Deep space from different areas of the universe and it collects it as data and then it sends it back to ground control on Earth. And what happens is um, scientists on Earth can take that data and turn it into sort of the visible light wavelengths and images that we can perceive. And so in essence, what this does is it shows us pieces of the universe that we can't see with our naked eye or any other instruments that we have, um, yeah. Does this sort of answer your question?
0: Yeah. No. That's 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 a great summation of it. I'm just curious in terms of the process of putting this thing together. Like, how how long did it build take to build this thing and launch it? Like, what how much money was put into this thing?
1: Yeah. So it's um it's really expensive. It was first envisioned in the late '90s, actually. So it's been a long time coming. And pretty much every you know professor, scientist that I've spoken to who um their careers based on astronomy have talked to me about how they've been waiting for this to happen. And, um, it was actually supposed to launch in around 2007, 2011. Um, and it was supposed to cost something like, I think max three to $4 billion. Um, that obviously didn't happen. And it ended up launching last year, which is like so many years past beyond what, um, Scientists envisioned, and also it ended up costing ten billion dollars total, um, due to like you know tweaking the instruments and making sure that everything is working properly. So it's there's a lot of there's a lot that went into this,
0: right? And and you talked about the idea of giving us sort of a a picture of outer space in a way that our you know our human eyes can't perceive them. Um, it gives a lot of extra context, but. If you can give me a little bit of sense of like what the significance is of these photos, the, the ability to see what space looks like, what, what does that enable? Why is this such a big deal?
1: So um, so like I said, there are lots of infrared light signals that are coming from deep space um, that the James Webb Space Telescope can detect. And actually, I should note that the Hubble Space Telescope and um, like the Spitzer Space Telescope, which came before, um, it could also detect infrared wavelengths, but not at all in the way that the James Webb Space Telescope and it had it had a little bit of that but um this this telescope is literally built to do it um anyway so the reason that some of the galaxies in our universe give off Infrared wavelengths from our vantage point on Earth. Obviously, it's not the case that we can't perceive these galaxies. Like, if we could pop up next to them somehow and look at them, they would be normal. They, they would have regular visible light wavelengths. But um, what happens is so at all times, the universe is um, expanding um, and expanding really fast, actually. And so that what that means is that galaxies and stars that were once really close to us are getting farther and farther and farther away until so they're like so 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 far away um like like billions of light years away and so the light that they carry as they get farther and farther away from us it changes um and so once visible light wavelengths, which are actually a little bit tighter, like if you can think of like a like a sine wave, like a tight sine wave, um as they get farther into the universe, they stretch like a rubber band. And so as they stretch out, they get longer and longer and longer until they become the type of wavelength that's an infrared wavelength. And so for us on Earth, billions of years ago, these would have been normal visible wavelengths. But now we're viewing them as like as these invisible wavelengths and so because the james webb space telescope can capture these invisible wavelengths what it's showing us is those stars and galaxies and other phenomena that used to be really close to our planet and are now like so 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 far away that we wouldn't be able to study and it's important to study these things because they were there like right when the universe began so there was the big bang and then that created all of this like Dust and gas and chemicals and all of this like nonsense everywhere, and then that slowly became galaxies. But we have no idea how that happened because all of that information is now encoded as infrared.
0: So that's that's a great point. The, the, the idea that you're you're getting a lot more historical context is that is that kind of where when you when you say you talked to a bunch of astronomers and like they've all been waiting their careers for this kind of data. Is that like what they're hoping to do? Like how? I guess, ultimately, like, how do these photos, how does this information advance the field of astronomy?
1: Yeah, so, um, well, first of all, we are essentially missing the universe's first chapters. We have really no idea how any of the stars, the first stars in our universe came to be. We don't know how all of the initial galaxies, we don't even know what the initial galaxies look like. We theoretically look completely different than um, any of the models that we have right now. And in fact, as research progresses, we are starting to realize that, that the early universe was so different than the universe as we see it today. I mean, even our, even the earth, when the earth came to be in the first place, there wasn't any oxygen. It was completely, completely different. We wouldn't have been able to survive. Um, and now, you know, we have the earth that we know and planets are like that and the universe as a whole is like that. And so it's really important for the, to to understand the timeline of our universe to make sure that we have the beginning of that timeline.
0: Got it. And when you're talking to some of these astronomers, I'm curious about what, I mean, what they're most excited about, like, in terms of getting their hands on this imagery, like what, what they want to do with this stuff.
1: Yeah. Um. So, of course, there are the astronomers who are really focused on what I was saying about, you know, the timeline aspect. But also, there are some who are really interested in just figuring out oh well actually one um another thing that you can do with infrared astronomy is so in the universe when stars are born they tend to their birthplace tends to be within these really massive thick veils of gas and dust and um with regular telescopes we can't quite pierce that veil we can't look at the stars being born inside and so we are missing a lot of information about star formation but infrared light can do that so even though the stars within the the birth, the birthing stars within this like veil of gas can't um the visible light from them can't reach us the infrared light from them can't and so we would basically be able to look into these um, veils and understand star formation. Um, in the future, uh, uh, some NASA astronomers think that understanding star formation can also help us understand how our solar system came to be. Like, what would it, what does it take for a star to have a planet, for instance? And why did ours get to have um, the planet that it does?
0: Got it. Um, hey, this thing's pretty far away, right? Like, I, I'm curious as uh, as someone who is located in a place where i can barely get cell phone reception i'm curious how this thing is able to beam back images from so far away and like how does it do it in a timely way
1: yeah it is currently at a point called the second lagrange point which is basically a, like a million miles away from earth always on the side of earth that's not facing the sun it can kind of remain there stably um, but the way that we get information from it is through uh, radio antennas. Basically, NASA has this thing called the Deep Space Network. Um, I'm pretty sure the headquarters is in Baltimore at the um, STSI, and it is sent. It, it um, the Deep Space Network comprises of three really big antennas that are spread, or like three really big centers that are spread across the globe. Um, at a perfect angle. And that helps us um, get deep space information. I mean, the same deep space network can actually help us get information from way, way, way farther away. Like it um, worked with Voyager, which is like billions of miles away from us at this point. um, And it works pretty well. And I think one thing to note is that the James Webb Space Telescope, A Million Miles from Earth, is not taking the beautiful pictures that we see. It's not like Snapping that and sending these giant files to us, it's actually just sending us data. And its internal storage is only about 68 gigabytes. And that's more than enough. Yeah, it's more than enough because it's just um, like if you think about the difference between having pictures on your phone versus audio files, you have so many audio files. And so the data that it sends back, that's perfect for it. And um, science on, on the planet can offload data pretty easily, too
0: that's that's wild to think that this this sophisticated 10 billion dollar telescope has just slightly more memory than a low end iPhone. No, I know. Just, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty remarkable. <laughs> uh lastly lastly what's what's next for the James Webb telescope?
1: Um so scientists like I said scientists have been waiting for this for so long that they've basically already lined up and queued to use it. Um if you look on SCSI's website you can see all of the different proposals right now. Um, and in fact, some scientists, notably on Twitter, if you just go on Twitter and type in JWST, you'll find all of these astronomers who are just combing through the data that um, the James Webb Space Telescope has sent back already, trying to like make sense of it and make their own pictures that NASA hasn't released yet. And um, it's been working pretty well. I mean, a lot of, some scientists are really interested in exoplanet data, for instance, Um, one of the James Webb space telescope quote unquote images was not actually an image. It was, um, it was spectral data of a exoplanet. Um, and what that tells you basically not what a planet looks like, but rather what it would be like on the planet to stand on it. It's not like an aesthetic image. Um, however, it, it found that there was water vapor clouds and hazes. It's not habitable. It's really, really not habitable, <laughs> but um, but yeah, and so scientists, are, some scientists are interested in exoplanets like that. Others are probably more focused in decoding all the stars that are inside um, that veil. There are some who want to use it for black hole studies, potentially. Um, one of the James Webb Space Telescope images that we got, Stefan's Quintet, did find an active. Uh, black hole, like a galactic nucleus. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, it didn't give us a picture, like, you know, the one that we, the like little fiery donut one that we have, <laughs> but um, it did show like matter swirling around the center of a galaxy, which indicates um, a black hole. And so it could, it could help with that. It can really help with everything. I think the point of the James Webb space telescope is that we're looking at the same universe, but we have more things to look at. And um, everything is just more detailed, and every, and we can look deeper than we have before. And it's just, it's adding like it's almost like adding a filter to the universe that clarifies it.
0: Got it. Well, Monisha, thank you for your time. You can check out her story and all of our James Wood coverage on CNET.com If you have any questions, ping me on Twitter at Roger W. Chang. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For the daily charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.